When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. What's up, Bruins fans? Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Allred. Every week beside me is Mr. Kevin O'Keefe. Kevin, what's up, my friend? Not too much, man. Another great week in the books for the Boston Bruins. Historic week. This is absolutely crazy. Um, As we sit here recording this episode 303 on October 30th, uh, the month of October is is, quickly over. And we're going on to November um, this is just amazing what we're seeing right now. And, and like we've said for the past couple of weeks on this program, we just didn't really know the expectations of this Boston Bruins team, where exactly Jim Montgomery is going to point this crew in a direction of winning uh, shorthanded. But it, it's all been just just the storyline has been absolutely frigging amazing. And, and 
just I'm blown away. My expectations of this team have been absolutely blown away. I I kind of said we're going to struggle, but we're going to keep our our head above water a little bit. But we're like full bore Titanic heading towards Nova Scotia right now, man. You know, this is just it's great, and, and I love I love the feeling of Boston Bruins Nation right now and feeding this, eating this up like a a fat kid at a buffet, man. You know, and it, it's just something that's really special, and I love it. So, um, you know, you said you're not going to pump the brakes last week, and you shouldn't. But nope. I just I just hope that this continues. The consistency continues. We're getting scoring from, from members of this Boston Bruins team we normally don't see on the regular, and that's important. When you can run four lines of depth, you have a good NHL franchise. Yeah, the Titanic missed the iceberg. That's all I can say there, you know, and they're full steam ahead, heading straight for New York. Well, not literally, but that's where the Titanic was heading. But, yeah, it's it's been great to see. I mean, I remember back when we were recording over the summer, um, you know, you had your, your, your worries like everyone else. But I do remember saying, you know, this team, I think, can win a cup. They just need to be able to get healthy. I didn't foresee this. I can't even pretend like I foresaw them having their best start in franchise history. That is definitely not a thing. But um, – I'm so happy they did. And I mean, this team when healthy, I think their top nine is one of the best up there. Yeah, it's crazy. Easy, easy. Their defense top four with Lindholm and McAvoy, which we can start saying now, Lindholm, in my opinion, looks the best he's looked in his, in his career so far this season. He has been dominant on not only on the defensive side, but also offensively, yeah. it's been incredible to watch. You have two, like right now you have two cornerstone top pairing defensemen with the way Lindholm is playing. And when McAvoy comes back and continues playing the way he always has played, oh my God, like the defense is just going to be, Carlo is playing great. Came, I'm sure we'll get into it. I'm going to stop. I'm going to let you go ahead and get us moving. <laughs> yeah, we do have a guest right now, but before I get him in, um, I do want to talk about uh, this show, episode 303. We're giving away the Ray Bork prize bundle to a, a lucky Patreon subscriber. A dollar a week per episode gets you on uh, eligible for uh, winning a, a hand-signed jersey every month moving forward. But this particular one is an October giveaway. It's a Ray Bork hand-signed prize bundle, and we're going to give that away at the end of the show. So please continue to listen. Uh, another reminder uh, hockey season, Boston Bruins hockey season is is we're full into the into the 2022-23 campaign. We need more writers. We want more podcasters. If you want to join this crew, let me know. Uh, send me an email at blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Let me know if you want to start an audio podcast or an NHL centric podcast or just uh, talk Bruins uh, individually, family, or friends. Let me know. We need to get more more content out there. We're content junkies, and we love it. But uh, without further ado, our friend Dom Tiano is back this week, and hopefully he's doing okay. Let's get him in here and talk. Mr. Dom, how are we doing, buddy? Hi, fellas. Oh, you know me. If I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any at all. So I'm unbelievable, my friend. I'm so sorry for everything that's going on lately. Um, yeah, it's, it's been crazy and, and always know that if you need anything, we're here for you. Oh, I know that. I appreciate it, guys. Life happens. <laughs> keep going. Absolutely. All right. Um, we let's, um, 
jump right in here and talk about the last uh, last week's games. There were three of them. The Boston Bruins are currently on a five-game winning streak. But uh, let's go to the Dallas game. Uh, the Boston Bruins beat the Dallas Stars 3-1 to one at home. And then they played on Thursday, the 27th, against the Detroit Red Wings. And they won 5-1 to one at home. And uh, and on Friday night, it was a back-to-back doubleheader, whatever you want to call it. They were in Columbus to play the Blue Jackets and won four to nothing on a Linus Allmark shutout. And uh, what can you say? The, the the train continues to roll. Uh, Dom, thoughts on you on the uh, the games last week in a whole, and uh, what, what what you were impressed by, and and maybe what you weren't impressed by. Um, I was only concerned about the Dallas game. I thought that they they should have handled Detroit and Columbus, and they did, regardless of it being back to back. You know, when you when you look back at over over the first nine games, it's hard to imagine. Uh, you know, if they played that Ottawa game as well as they played everybody else, uh, they could be nine and zero. Um, as opposed to eight and one. So um, there's lots to look forward uh, to. There are some things that need to be cleaned up. Um, and it looks like uh, they're working on it, like especially their power play and their uh, zone entries. They've cleaned that up a little bit. Um, you know, there's been some times in, in the first nine games where their D zone coverage wasn't where it was supposed to be, but it looks like they're cleaning that up. So, uh, you know, November is going to be a tough month. It's interesting to see how they uh, match up against the, uh, those upper echelon teams. Absolutely. Kevin, what do you got for the, um, last week's games? Uh, highs, lows, and, and overall, how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I'd pretty much just be echoing a lot of what Dom said because, I mean, he hit the nail on the head. But um, it was good to be able to see Boston still be able to pull out the win against Dallas. That was a tough game. Ottinger is quite the goaltender. I mean, he is – he was damn good that game. Um, and Allmark had to be just as good, if not better. And he came and he did exactly what he needed to do. The Detroit game, I mean, that's a game that you very could have – easily have played down to your opponent and they didn't do it. You know, they showed up and they brought it to them. And then the Columbus game on a back-to-back night with um, no Marshan in the lineup um, after returning in uh, against the Red Wings and still no McAvoy. And also um, there was no Krejci because of an injury and they came out and they played a great brand of hockey. And there's some things that they still could do a bit better, but there's just some things they're doing great. So I'm very happy where I'm sitting today. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just it's just it's such a great feeling, you know. Um, and you know, sooner or later, this is going to all not not come to an end, but kind of slow down a little bit. But hopefully, it doesn't. I mean, we are getting some key members back into the lineup, like you said. Marshan is back. We'll talk about him later. We will talk about Brandon Carlo coming up uh, in the next uh, uh, topic agenda. Um, but there's just, there's just so many pieces that are coming alive from this team that we didn't exactly see last year or possibly the year before that. I remember there was a, a time when the, the bottom six of this Boston Bruins offensive uh, lineup was, was really good and a good grinding um, couple lines there. But then there was like two or three years where it kind of faded away a little bit. Maybe one of the reasons why a Sean Corrali 
uh, was moved on because he just couldn't be relied on anymore. And and then again, they weren't paying, uh, they weren't overpaying for guys like that when you can just promote from Providence and and keep them mostly under under a million dollars. But now we're seeing that it, it is a different voice and so on. But we're getting more of those 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 bottom offensive guys that we just didn't see last year really wake up this year. Uh, whether it be the message, whether it be they're they're on personal contract years and so on, it's all positive. And and the contributions are really good from the next man up mentality to to the veterans on in this lineup that continue to to pave the way for for younger members to you know climb on board and and get on this winning train. And and I'm just I'm still blown away by everything that's going on and how and how not perfect. Nothing's ever perfect. There's always something to work for. But moving forward, I'm just really concerned, not concerned, but I'm really excited to see where the message is going to go and how far uh, this team can go. I don't want to predict the Stanley Cup. I'm not that type of guy. I want to see how they do in the playoffs when everybody in the past has told me we need those bottom six guys that are going to beat the fuck out of you every night and and make your life a miserable hell. I want to see those guys on this team right now. And so far, I've seen some really good positive things. And I'm still not going to pump the effing brakes. <laughs> no, there's no, no need to pump the brakes. You know, even if they go into a two or three game slide, uh, there's no need to pump the brakes. I, I mean, nope. um, you know, well, let's enjoy the ride. And, and take, like, I mean, they, they've got, what, a five-point lead? Yeah. You know, it, it's – who could have expected that? Like I, I dare anybody to walk up to me and say, "Oh, yeah, I knew it was going to happen." I'll yeah. call you a liar to your face. Yep. Exactly. There's not a single. There's not a single person out there who predicted that the Bruins would have their best start in franchise history this season yeah. with the injuries the they had. Experts, Kevin, including yep. the experts. Exactly. Not a single person. No way. Yeah, especially with the people that were, or the players that were not going to be with this team to start the year. You know, that's that. I mean, a lot of those experts out there were just like, you know, it's going to be really tough this year. But I mean, this Boston Bruins team is really just proving them completely wrong and 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 showing the rest of the league that, hey, we might be a couple of guys down, but we're still going to be a pain in the ass to to, to play against. And we're, and we're here, here to win. So it's exciting for everything. So. Um, moving on to another topic, we got to talk about Brandon Carlo. Um, obviously we all know that he went down with uh, a concussion and, uh, he missed the previous four games, uh, with his fifth, um, head injury since 2017, a little concerning there. Obviously we always hope that these, these types of injuries and, and the players do what's best for them and so on. But, um, he came back, uh, on the lineup against the Dallas stars. And wow, I was absolutely blown away by his, his start and finish and what he did in that game. I think uh, Jim Montgomery called him an absolute beast. So, I mean, that's just good confidence building right there. And, and for me, it's just, I know a lot of people uh, harp on Brandon Carlo for being a bigger body and not using that body uh, effectively. But what I saw uh, on uh, in the game against Dallas and this week, uh, some really good signs of how, how the defense is coming back and just getting stronger. And, and obviously with McAvoy in the, in the wings next couple of weeks, I mean, he could be, uh, he could be really coming into his own as well uh, concerning the injury and so on and, and, and his recovery. 
But um, thoughts on Carlo's game and, and, you know, everything that's going on with him health-wise and so on? Brandon Carlo came back and played in Dallas after what could have been a very serious situation. It seems like the team has deemed that it wasn't serious enough to where he couldn't come back, and Carlo felt good enough. He came back, started, I believe, on the third pairing. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't remember if he finished on the third pairing that night or if he stayed there the whole time. But he did finish north of 18 minutes played that night, which is, you know, which is something you'd like to see. He wasn't really engaged physically, but positionally, he was good. He was very good that game. But moving into the Detroit game. I mean, he really started to bring that physicality back. He had five hits on the night. I thought he looked. I, I thought he's looked really good. I, it's almost like he he didn't miss a beat from the concussion. I, I think he's looked really, really good. Um, I have nothing bad to say about what Brandon Carlo is doing thus far. Um, you know, the concussion—that's something you can't blame on him. That's something that's going to happen. Um, then going into the Columbus game, you know, he didn't have any hits that game. He played a little bit less of minutes, but I mean, you can contribute that to the fact that the Bruins were so dominant in their play that you didn't have to have them out there, um, for a ridiculous amount of minutes. And, um, but he was good once again, that game, uh, I'm happy. I'm sure Dom's got good things to say too. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to deny that concussions play a role in, in how a player uh, plays. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I talk to Bruins fans every day, and there's a lot of doctors out there. <laughs> or at least they play doctor on television. <laughs> They're saying this guy needs to retire before he ruins his life. And I mean, I, I read that so many times. You know, nobody, especially the Bruins, after they had to deal with it with... Uh, Patrice Bergeron and Mark Savard. I, I mean, they're not going to allow a player to play unless he's healthy or yeah. capable of playing. Everyone's got to remember every concussion is different. They're not all equal. And not every player is equal. They all come back at different times. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to Brad Marchand a little later about how every player recovers differently. Here's what I see. Carlo is at his best when he doesn't have to carry a pair. Uh, we saw it when he was with Zidane Chara. You know, that's the best Carlo that we've seen. Um, and when he doesn't have to slot up into the lineup. Once Charlie McAvoy comes back, and everybody slots differently, and the way that uh, Connor Clifton is playing and able to eat more minutes and now do some PK time, uh, that's all going to benefit Carlo because he doesn't have to be thrown out there in all those situations. So we're going to see a better Carlo. Believe me, when a player is slotted where they should be slotted, you get a much better player, and I think that's what we're going to see with Brandon Carlo. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the defenses get stronger with him in it, regardless of of the narrative uh, out there. But uh, it's good to have him back. Good to see him healthy and contributing uh, to, to, you know, to his the best of his ability. And 
moving forward, we need, we're going to need veterans like him. He is a veteran now. He's been around the league for a long time and, you know, he, he knows the game and, and, you know, you know, he just got to have everything, all the, all the attributes together for him to be a really uh, good defenseman moving forward. But not only that, uh, uh, um, you know, a member of the leadership crew on here as well for the younger players that are still trying to, to crack the roster. So, I mean, all good things moving forward when you talk about Brandon Carlo and the, and the different avenues about the the player character and, and skill set. So, uh, go ahead. I got a, I got a question for you boys uh, that which pertains to the defense. Once it's all healthy, would you guys be opposed to a top four that consists of Grizzly? going with McAvoy and Lindholm going with Carlo due to how well Grizzlick has played. Not a bad idea at all. I mean, you still, you, you still have that one type of like almost shut down D guy and, uh, and, and a blue liner that's got some mobility. I like, I like the way that you're thinking. Um, but yeah, I've always been kind of on the, on the train of, um, you know, kind of split up Lindholm away from McAvoy and possibly put him down with Carlo just to strengthen, you know, get that get that depth going on the on the blue line, uh, create more offense that way too. I think that Lindholm and Carlo can could absolutely do something like that. Obviously, you know, Carlo's not going to be, you know, leading the offensive rushes or anything like that like Lindholm can because Lindholm's just a fluid skater. I mean, he's just very patient and so on. He reads the plays well and and surveys the ice very good so having him with a, a guy like brandon carlo is not a bad idea so i like that i like that top four pairing and we're also going to touch on something about about who could be going later on when mcavoy comes out but we'll touch on that later on yeah i'm torn about it but it's just an idea that i thought of that i wanted to get some feedback well on. i'll tell you this mcavoy and lindholm are both capable of 25 minutes a game so they're going to get their time together um what I do want to see, especially under the new system that uh, Montgomery and his staff have, have employed, is Lindholm and McAvoy together. Because as good as Grizzlick and McAvoy are together, Lindholm just brought McAvoy to a whole new level when it came to offense. What was that's why I'm torn. A point per game with Lindholm, uh, and I think almost. Lindholm Lindholm gives McAvoy that freedom. What I do know is that John Gruden will figure it out. Uh, yes, Gruden, absolutely. John Gruden is a coach that will do what is best for the team. He won't mm -hmm. do what is best for the individual player. Right. And, and that's exactly why I'm torn, because I know how well Lindholm and McAvoy play together, and that's something I want to see. And I think that's something they're going to start with. Um, I, I but if there's any to, issues, you, I think you have to, and you have to hope that Grizzly and Carlo can, oh, I, I can tell you right now, I don't think I want to break up for Burton Clinton. No, me neither. So I absolutely so, not. So that means Grizzly and Carlo has to work for you. It has to. And that's the key. That pair is the key to being able to keep Lynn home and, and McAvoy together. And like I said, they can give you 25 minutes a game, which means you can reduce Grizzly and Carlo's numbers, right? You can also increase Clifton's if you have to. And yep. and that's slotting everybody to where they should be. And I don't know. Go ahead. 
both forward and Clifton have already proven so far this year that they can take on heavier minutes. So yeah. you can, you can kind of balance out your two pairings as far as uh, Fulbert and Clifton and Grizzlick and Carlo go, you can kind of balance them out in whichever, um, in whichever pairing is having the better night gets maybe a little bit more of the minutes. I think you, I think you really have something there. Fulbert's been playing like a top four guy this year, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, he, and he's had that role for a good majority so far this year. I mean, it's night and day from last season when he was in a top four situation, especially yeah. playing next to McAvoy on the top pairing. I mean, it's night and day. The guy has just been incredible to watch out there. I mean, using the body, uh, his positioning, um, the way he's been able to move the puck out of, of the defensive zone, it's just been really great to watch. And uh, to be able to have two pairings like that, that you could you could almost right now consider both of those pairings to be a second pairing for you, and to have two of them, everything is so deep. Yeah, it's I want to cry, guys. Like it's, well, so, it's that good. <sighs> yeah, I don't I don't think, and you know we've been preaching this for over a year on this show. It, defense is not a problem on this team. It's not. Goaltending is not a problem on this team. Even though we, all three of us, have been told thousands of times that the Bruins got to trade Allmark, they need <laughs> uh, they they need cap space. Well, you know, let's not go there today, guys, because it's a it's a short day. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, don't forget the Bruins should have started the year with with Ladar and Swayman. Don't forget, yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> One thing I want to touch on before we move on to another topic, uh, before we take our uh, our first break and hear from uh, Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, is the fact is that you talk about Carlo and Cl- I'm sorry Clifton and Forbert. Um, those two have been really good penalty killing. Uh, the, the special teams play has been outstanding. Um, one of the things that that Jim Montgomery and and coaching staff really preached during the off season is to get better at, at special teams in that. That particular way um but also it's just i i want to say again and i know we always kind of not always but touch on this frequently it's amazing how a player's comfort level can be seen after he spends one full season in an organization last year a lot of people were just like why sign fulbert why bring him on he's a pylon he's this and that but then you see him this year absolutely more engaged and so on and i just want to touch on real quick about the comfort level, it, it just might not be for the player, but the families and so on that come and you know, it, it's a, it's a very stressful time. A whole year is stressful on a player's um, mind because you have, you have not only you have to think about and you producing on this team, but also your family members that are adjusting to a new school system, adjusting to a new neighborhood and all this stuff. So all that takes a little bit of time. And I, I think we've seen that with uh, Nick Foligno. I think we've seen it with, Forbert, I think we've seen it with um, a lot of the new players, like Linus Allmark, for instance. You know, you know, I mean, he just got better from last season. I mean, guys have been unbelievable, but it just takes a little bit of time. And I wish Bruins fans had a little more patience when thinking about stuff like that because we're seeing the dividends right now. I think with all three of the guys that you mentioned, Phil, yeah, of course that all plays a role. I'm not denying it doesn't, but coaching comes into it. And I'm not talking Jim Montgomery here. Um, with Allmark, uh, it's more time with Bob Asenza. 
Um, you know, with with uh, Forbert, he worked on his skating off season. You know, a lot of work went in with uh, with, with skills and development. So uh, if the people out there aren't noticing the improved skating in Forbert, take a closer look uh, because it's there. Uh, with Felino, I think injuries, and he's talked about it. Injuries last year had had a key role into into what his problem is. But the off ice off ice stuff, you're right, Mark. It all it all plays on a on a player. But sometimes just going into a situation where you're going to a new team, different coaching, uh, different development staff behind you, uh, and I'm sure. We might get into this when we talk a little bit about the Jacks, the Nika trade, and, and Michael DiPietro uh, coming to Boston. Uh, what, what kind of a role that that plays in the player? I'm glad you mentioned Felino because one of the things that I've noticed in his game that is night and day from last season is his speed and his willingness to attack the play. Those two things for him have just paid off in dividends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his net front presence has really stepped up a huge, huge amount of uh, of of contribute. Uh, I can't even talk right now. I'm so excited about Nick Felino. Can you believe it? We're talking about positive Nick Felino. Now, just his presence on the ice is definitely well known now. I think he's just really buying into a new system and everything. And like I said last week, he's really become like an extension of Jim Montgomery's um, coaching staff when it comes down to those bottom six players and how that type of role should be played. And, and, you know, it's just a, it's just a really good thing. And I'm just happy that everybody's like pretty much everybody's like contributing on the regular to make this, this team successful and, and to really, uh, you know, steer the, the naysayers away where they most didn't believe would be in a playoff position by Thanksgiving. But here we are now the absolute best team in the league with 16 points, eight and one record. Absolutely disgusting. Filthy. I'm, can, can I interject here for a second? Always. Okay, so I'm, I I want both your guys' opinions before I give mine because Mark said uh, with everybody contributing, um, you know, it's so good to see. But where's the contribution from Trent Fredericks? What is he contributing to this team? Um, like, what is he giving you? I don't know. And I'm a Freddy guy, too, myself. I really want to see him. I know you are. That's why I'm asking. I want to see this guy succeed. And I know I've said this religiously on previous podcasts. I was really pumped up from the game I saw in Providence and how offensively skilled he was. The way he was skating hard. He really wanted to prove himself to the upper Bruins management brass to get him in the lineup as soon as possible. But then when he gets to the lineup, it is, you know, it's commonly known as Freddy Fight Club and so on. Everybody gets excited about that too. But then where I thought his offensive capabilities would flourish in a higher role and, hey, I made the NHL and, and, and it's consistent time, I was kind of disappointed in that offensive production and where he was going with it, uh, you know, regardless of being a first-round selection or not. Um, you know, and hopefully he still, he gets it. There's still a lot of time between now and the trade deadline, but I honestly don't think that if he continues to play this way, 
and give up selfish penalties and put his team in positions of where they're steps behind, not steps ahead. I don't think that the Trent Frederick train is going to be running into Boston anytime soon, um, especially after next year. He does have his, um, uh, he's an RFA with arbitration rights. So if he doesn't contribute more and, and show uh, the coaching staff that he really wants to stay here and be a member of this team, then unfortunately I just think that he, he, he won't last past the, uh, the trade deadline and possibly get moved. Um, maybe St. Louis to take him. I have no spot for Trent Frederick on my roster at this time. Um, now that the offense is healthy, uh, minus David Krejci at the moment, I don't know if there's any update. I'm sure we'll talk about that. I haven't seen one. And I don't know if you do too have, but um, Trent Frederick is out for me. I'm keeping Lauko up. I'm keeping him in the lineup. I think he's done enough to uh, get himself onto that fourth line. Uh, Greer, again, another guy I, who is doing what you'd want Trent Frederick to do. I mean, so – have him there. Um, I, I'm, I, I'll pack his bags. I'll trade him. Bye. It's like I know it's easier said than done, but I mean, if you can get that one mil off, see ya. It helps for the cap. You're giving the Allmark crowd uh, ammunition there, Kevin. <laughs> get rid of the million; it'll help. They'll come back with the get rid of the five. We have Swayman. <laughs> It, it, no, but this is a different situation. I mean, this is something well, I, that we, know, I know. I'm just, I'm you making know. fun of the Allmark crowd. Right. So what are your thoughts on, on Trent Frederick, Dom? I'm really curious. I don't know. I'm I'm torn because I, I, I can see where he has a role he could fill on this team. If, if the coaching staff can get it out of him. But I, I'm i like Kevin. I don't know who you take out of the lineup when they're healthy to put him in. So on the left side, you've got Marshan, you've got Hall, you've got Polino. Um, Zaka. You've got Zaka, and you've got DeBrus playing his off wing. So, like, I don't know. I don't want to t- forget DeBrus because he'll stay on the right side. But I don't want to take those four guys out of the lineup to to put Frederick in. Um, <laughs> I don't want to put him in the middle because as much as Nosek hasn't scored in, what, 60-some-odd games, uh, he plays a role and he plays a purpose on this team and he's doing very, very well. He's and, reliable at what he does. And for, for, and for what they're asking him to do. They're not asking him to when when you've got a Bergeron Krejci coil the way he's playing and no sick down the middle, you're you're not taking any of those four, especially the, the top three out to put Trent Frederick in. So like I don't know, I'm with Kevin. Like who do you take out to put him in? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, a tough situation. But we'll uh touch on that. Uh, a little further, when we hear from Boston Sports Music memorabilia is Bruce Sullivan on the other side. Uh, Bruce has some fantastic stuff, including some of the four items that we're giving away today in this um, this amazing prize pack for our Patreon members, our favorite financial supporters. So if you're on the YouTube, you can see the hand-signed jersey, the hand-signed mini helmet, the hand-signed puck, and the hand-signed 8x10 
uh, photo, all fully authenticated from Boston Sports and Music memorabilia and our favorite person, Bruce Sullivan. So for one dollar, we're giving away all of that. So I have a list of, I think, 66 Patreon members that we have, and we're going to be giving all that, all four items away later on um, to a lucky Patreon supporter. And we can't thank those guys enough as we welcome back hockey in October 2022. But let's hear from Bruce, and we'll talk about Freddie, Freddie, um, somebody on the other side. Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. We are extremely pleased to announce the release of the Mike Ruzioni 1980 Gold Medal Memorabilia Collection. Take home in a Ruzioni Premium Mesh Style Jersey for $149. A Miracle 80 Jersey signed by Ruzioni and Schneider for $149. An Ruzioni Miracle on Ice Puck for $69 or in a Ruzioni 8x10 photo for 65 On October 23rd, we welcomed back Bruins legend Andy Moog. We now have the exclusive Andy Moog 75th anniversary jersey for just $99. Photos for $34 or pucks for $35. On November 5th, we host big bad Bruin enforcer Sean Thornton. Get your Thornton jerseys for $89. Photos for 29 pucks for 34 and look for fellow bad boy Adam McQuaid later in November. To learn more about our dozens of hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! All right, we're back talking Boston Bruins hockey and this unbelievable start to the 22-23 regular season. Eight and one, baby. I love saying that. Top of the league, love saying that as well. Um, So, but we're back and we're... We just heard from Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, so please uh, check him out. And uh, Hopefully you wrote down his information to get in contact with him about spicing up that fan cave because you absolutely need it. Um, Can we ask him what mic he's using? Because it's phenomenal. His, yeah. his audio is just... I think he's just notch. using his phone. <laughs> I really? Honestly, I honestly is... think he's just using his phone. The last time I talked to him, actually, Thomas from the Short Tips podcast always compliments them on the uh, on the voice. So, yeah. But uh, we are back. We're, we're, um, I know Kevin wanted to uh, touch a little bit more on the uh, Trent Frederick talk before we move on to another topic. So go ahead, uh, Kevin. So my question is for Dom here, Mr. Cap Guru. Um, so I had mentioned something about moving Frederick out to use the $1 million towards the inevitable, you know, issues that we have to deal with here. But h- how much do we have to clear in order to become cap compliant once McAvoy returns from LTIR, as well as have a little cushion for trade deadline purposes? Um, okay. I'll tell you exactly. As of this minute, as of today, to activate Charlie McAvoy, they have to move out 
$1,185,046. That's to the penny. Now, those are my calculations. Uh, if you go to Puckpedia, uh, I'm within $2 of what they are. Uh, cat friendly, I checked earlier, I was within a couple of hundred dollars of what they're at, so I don't know what the difference is between cat friendly and my numbers. I'll have to dissect it later, but um, I always trust my numbers and that's what I go by. So just under $1.2 million. Okay. So Frederick helps if they yeah. were able to move him. Yeah. We're, and where else do we go from there? Are we still on the Smith train and Riley train possibly, or? Like right now, Riley in Providence is costing you $1,972,000 towards the cap to play in Providence. Um, if you can move that, you're going to save. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my head, guys, so I might be out 100K or something. So roughly about $2.6 million. Um, so that's enough to activate McAvoy, gives you 1.5 million in space, which is about $7.5 million in AV you can add at trade deadline. Wow. Okay. That's the only well, thing they really have to do then. Yeah, it's the, the only thing they, they have to do. They don't have to move a body out because Laco has already been sent back to, to uh, Providence. He was just an emergency, emergency call-up for David Krejci. I, I called that, by the way. 24 hours in advance. Boom. Got it. Sorry. I got to pat so, myself on the back. Um, activating McAvoy with Laco down will give them a 23-man roster. So... Uh, trading Riley would do it. You know, they're compliant, they're banking. It just won't eat up any of the Bergeron and Krejci bonus money, which, by the way, Bergeron will earn Tuesday night against Pittsburgh, will earn his $2.5 million. Uh, Krejci will be delayed because he missed the game, so he would have earned his bonus, partial his bonus uh, Tuesday. And I believe Jeremy Swayman will earn his sometime in the month of November. Nice. Good information, Tom. Thank you very much for that. Now, to, to answer the question, though, are we still on the, on the Smith train? I would be on the Smith train because it can help eat some of that bonus overage. It can get McAvoy activated. It can give him money at trade deadline uh, to spend and you can bring Jacob Lockle back up as as one of your 12 forwards or your 13 forward. Yep. And um, I think Smith has made himself, even if it's a tad bit, made himself even a tad bit more easy to trade with his performance over the past week. I thought yeah, he's well, looked a lot better. Let me ask you guys, where do you think – where do you think Montgomery thinks he fits? Because he's been a healthy scratch. He's been on the Twice. fourth line. He's been on the third line. And he filled in on the first line on a necessity more than anything. So, like, where where does he 
where does Jim Montgomery think he fits? What do you guys think? I just, uh, for me, I think it, it needs to be consistent uh, to, for this team to move forward. Consistency with chemistry and so on. And if you're, if you're constantly moving a player around that can't find or seem to find consistency and being sat twice in, in, in the same week, I, I don't know exactly where Jim's vision is of Smith. Uh, I will say that he, he has had a bigger impact on the game since uh, he did sit those two games. You know, I, that's probably out of frustration and, and, you know, coming back and being a little better to prove to the team that you can, you still play a role here, but I don't, he still has to give a little bit more for me to that consistency level is just so huge from somebody that, that projects himself to be a, a, an elite shooter in the league with the underlying numbers of him and, and the way he puts the puck on the net as soon as he gets it. I just wanted to see more out of him and less of Montgomery having to use him as like a spare part type of guy up and down the lineup. My honest opinion on this, and I don't have any inside information or anything like that, but my preferred spot, well, my idea for Montgomery's preferred spot for Smith in this lineup is not in the lineup. You see, that's the feeling I get too, because uh, Mark mentioned, uh, you know, forming chemistry and consistency, but um, he's had, Two years with Charlie McAvoy, or sorry, with with Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle. So, like, if he doesn't have chemistry with Charlie Coyle now, he's never getting it. No, and you don't want three million. We are we already have Felino at three point eight on the fourth line. You don't want to add another three million dollar player there when you could use him to get cap compliant, as Dom mentioned, still being on that train to hopefully be able to move Smith's contract out of there because. In my opinion, Felino can go on that right wing with Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka once everything is healthy, and I think he's going to contribute and make that line really good. And you can have a nice fourth line of A.J. Greer, Nosek, and Lauko. Uh, that's a really high-energy line. You know, I think that could be, work really well. So are we in agreement that Smith would be our choice to move? Yeah, absolutely. I've been there yeah. for a bit, and I'm still there. And it's not because I it's not because I dislike the player at all. I, I'm definitely not no, saying it's not, that. It's, it's more. It's yeah, it's more or less. It's like it frees up a roster spot for somebody that can come into the lineup, possibly come into the 23 man lineup at a lower cap hit and and contribute. Who knows? Down in Providence, there's a lot of good complementary pieces and assets that the Providence Bruins have right now this season. Hopefully we have time to talk about that team later on. Um, but it also, it's that cap space as well. You need to be cap compliant when Charlie McAvoy comes back because he, he McAvoy holds a high number in AAV. So um, th- to me, it makes the obvious choice. And for the fact is that you don't have to go up to this player and say, Craig, can you please waive uh, your contract? There's no, there's nothing on this contract at all you can just do what you want and and make the move so right and it, it's a business first mark you exactly to, you have to think of the business aspect and the bruins have proven time and time again that they're willing to make the difficult decisions when it comes to business they waived nick felino they waived mike riley they benched craig smith uh, they're they're not afraid to make that business decision when they have to make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But are they are they afraid to if they're not afraid to make that business decision, how are they on the other side willing to give the trust into a younger player when it when it really matters? I think Montgomery's I think More Montgomery willing. has is he well, I think the easier thing for Montgomery here is that the players who are stepping up that are younger are proving they belong in the lineup. Yeah. Between Lauco and AJ AJ Grizz, what 25? So yeah. I, it's hard to put him in it's hard to put him in that category. Um but it is his best yeah. season. Yeah, it is his best season to date for him in the NHL. I mean, he had, he's had very limited NHL time. Um, but he's stepped up, he's grabbed it. And that's something a player like, uh, well, we'll, I'll wait for this segue. We can segue right into it. I'll wait. But one thing I want to say first is, you know, moving a guy like Smith, even if he scores a hat trick this upcoming Tuesday, is still not going to be easy. And it's not because Craig Smith is a bad player or this or that. It's because the Bruins are in a situation where they have to do it. So it's still going to cost you something, whether it's a, a prospect or maybe a mid-round pick or something like that. It's You're going to have to attach something. Maybe you have to eat – I don't think you'd have to eat a million of it, but maybe like you know, 700K, something like that. You're still going to have to do something like that to get them moved, and it's, it's going to be one of those things where I think it'll happen, but I- when will it happen? I ask myself two questions uh, when I'm talking about dealing a player, okay? And that is, if I'm general manager, A, am I bringing that player back next year when he's an unrestricted free agent like Smith is? And my answer is no. And the second question I ask myself is, is Craig Smith going to be the difference between me making a long run in the playoffs or not? And again, the answer is no. And so to me, that makes him movable. Yeah, makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when you do have young guys like Lauko who have grasped that chance and guys like A.J. Greer who took a hold of that chance and ran with it, that's in turn showed that a guy like Jack Stanika, who's had plenty of times where he's came into the lineup and whether it's at center or wing or whatever it may be, has had a chance to take that opportunity and run with it and just couldn't do it. So now where is he? Yeah. Where is he, Mark? He got traded. We'll talk about it later and the details. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, moving on to another topic and, and another, just a shock to, to the Bruins nation. Uh, the, uh, Boston Bruins, uh, released the news that 33 year old veteran forward Brad Marshan is back in the lineup. Unbelievable, um, uh, storyline here. Uh, uh, Jim Montgomery mentioned several times about the, uh, Thanksgiving holiday or just a little bit before that, but he is back a month ahead of time. Um, and we got two different sides of the coin here when it comes to Bruins fandom. Number one, it very exciting to have one of the elite players back into the lineup and so on. But on the other side of that coin is, is the fandom that says, I, are they rushing him back too soon and what the repercussions could be when he goes full bore on uh, a, a hip that had both sides uh, pretty much done. And, um, 
I have to tell you that whatever the, the projections of a, a surgery and recovery like this are always pretty much black and white, but it's the player and the individual, um, you know, health of that player and so on that increases their time to get back sooner rather than later. So I'm completely fine with this, especially with the people that I've talked to that were at the warrior ice arena, just for practices and the way that Brad Marchand was given it at, in the practice uh, and, and skating at an elite level in a practice was just amazing to hear and, and having him slotted into the lineup, you knew it was coming sooner or late, sooner rather than later with the, uh, the, the, um, he wasn't wearing the no contact jersey anymore. You knew that something was happening sooner or later. So, uh, but comes into the lineup and immediately contributes. Gets uh, a three point freaking night, uh, two goals, and and had 17 minutes of ice time, which I was absolutely amazed about by just the uh, just what happened to him during the off season and that surgery. So, thoughts on Brad Marchand coming back, boys? Did 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 he even did did this even really happen? Because I mean, it, it looks to me like he never even got injured. I know. I mean, the guy was out there playing the same way he's played before he even went out there and got that surgery. I mean, and feeling he, better. He's, yeah, he's a robot. Yep. He, he's he, he's got a, he's an NPC. It is what it is. Like this guy isn't real. <laughs> He's he's not even real. He's just uh it's it's insane what he did. I mean <clears throat> you mentioned, you know, I remember it was a few podcasts ago when at the end of it I said on Twitter, hey, Brad Marshan is currently in practice right now. Yep. And he is wearing a regular jersey and he's doing everything. Everything. Ty Anderson, he's moving in all caps. Um, you know, other people saying he's doing two-on-two small space drills, all this. I said, Mark, he is going to be in the lineup the second the calendar turns to November. He even beat that projection. He was in here before October was even out. I was like, holy crap. I mean, and he came out and he played. I mean, he played well. He put on a show. Um, And it's a lot of that. A lot of this goes to the medical staff. And, you know, the procedure that was done and Brad Marchand's willingness, toughness and pure determination towards his rehab. Yeah. Phenomenal player. That's all I got to say. Just proves that when he was tearing up the dance floor at Tuka Rasberg and wedding that he was ready to go back in the summer. (laughs) I've got a lot to say. So if I go on too long, just cut me off for you. Yeah, I'll go, Dom, shut up. Matt Grizzly. Brandon Carlo, um, Jake DeBrusque, uh, Brad Marchand. Uh, what I what I have found out is that Jim Montgomery's a good liar. <laughs> uh, we thought that under Bruce Cassidy, they kept things tight to the, the to the vest. Boy, if we listened to Montgomery, all four of those guys would still be out of the lineup, right? <laughs> no shit. Uh, so I'm I'm expecting Charlie McAvoy to be back next week sometime now based on yep. uh, mm-hmm. everything that Montgomery has said. Uh, second of all, and I tweeted this out, is I'm surprised uh, the Department of Player Safety didn't suspend Brad Marchand for coming back too soon. <laughs> um, seriously, though, like for the fans that are concerned about 
are they rushing him back? Right. Like, we got to get out of that mentality. Like, they employ doctors for a reason. Um, the, the players have a union for a reason. I, I mean, there's laws in both Canada and the United States for a reason. And the team is 8-1. and one. If it was game 82 of the season and they needed a victory and they brought him back for that game, yeah, that might be rushing him. But now when you're in the ninth game of the season, like, yeah. come on. Like sometimes a little bit of logic and common sense is required before you put your fingers to the keyboard. Yeah. Um, it, it, it just doesn't happen. In, I'm not going to say in professional sports. It just doesn't happen in hockey uh, like that. So, uh, but as for his performance, wow. What, like, <laughs> what, what can you say? It's uh, I know the uh, people that sit around the bench, the Bruins bench, uh, for their home games. That uh, I was talking to one just the other day who who said that uh, Brad Marchand said this is the best he's felt in two years. His hips have been bothering him for two years. So there you go. Yeah, and 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 so good to have him back and skating like an elite skater in game one. Of, uh, of this uh, season debut, just it just really speaks well to how when this Boston Bruins team is going to move forward. And and like we said, we've always preached about keeping our head above water. We're we're like tippy toeing ac- across the lake right now because we're that high above water and and high above everybody else. I mean, the goal differential right now in in nine games is is a league best and it's i think it's an 18 or 16 or something like that we're getting contributions throughout the lineup and just having this guy come back who is an elite skater can move and cut on a dime great passer and and a, just a, an elite release back in the lineup just is is just another freaking notch in this team and and how good this can be um you know this is a great problem to have when we have so many people that it's so hard to take out of the lineup to get somebody else in for a yep. little bit of time. Plus 18 differential. That's what I meant. Thanks, Kevin. No, you did say it. You you did say it. Now you weren't sure though. So I was letting you know you were right. Right. But no, it's, it's, it's just uh, a great, th- a great feeling to have. And, and to see him in his press, to see him in the game, it just looked like he was having fun. It's like it was a regular day, you know, but uh, the contributions, a three-point night in his return, just a, the storyline's amazing, you know. It's just, it's really good. And and I'm just so proud of this team moving forward, you know. It's just always good, good, good positive things. He leads the Bruins in points per game. <laughs> After one. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I got, a, I got a quick question for you boys. Sure. Is the fatigue of Tampa Bay finally here? I've been preaching it for a while now, but you know I've, no. I've been known I've been known to be wrong before, and there it is. I don't think so. <laughs> you don't think so? Okay. No. Yeah, that I think that didn't last year they sat off a, a, a little troublesome and then got it all together. I don't remember. Yeah, the, the thing with Tampa is that they're so experienced, they're so well managed, and they're so well coached uh, that they know they don't have to go. Look, they went balls out in the regular season and Columbus swept them in the playoffs. 
So they know regular season means diddly squat. It's just about getting in and then you do your thing. So th this team will be there at trade deadline. They'll make the moves they need to make at trade deadline. And the players know how to turn it on come playoff time. So Follow-up question. Okay. Is, Va is the Vasilevsky fatigue finally here? Um, I think with Elliot there now that they don't have to play him 70 games a season. Uh, because even though they can't no, and even though Elliot's record has not been that good, he's played well for them. He's kept them in games and given them a chance. So um I think the days of Vasilevsky playing 70 games are done. I, I think if they can get him down to 60 with the rest towards the end of the season so he's fresh for the playoffs, uh, that I, if, there, if there's one goaltender in the league I do not worry about, it's, it's Vasilevsky, even more so than, than Shesterkin. Yeah. Follow-up statement. I think the Boston Bruins are the best team, regardless of their record or anything like that, today in the Atlantic Division and can take every single one of them. Jeez. If you I, got, I agree with you. I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to debate that one bit. I'll agree with you. If anybody out there is going to take any advice from Kevin, I would absolutely highly recommend that you go to betonline.ag and sign up for a <laughs> free account, and uh, you know, bet on yourself to win to place a small investment and hopefully turn it into a big payback. But. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. As your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and major events. You can place a wager on games in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head over to betonline.ag, the website, today, and sign up to be eligible to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your amazing rewards from BetOnline. Also, we ask that you please get your gamble on in a responsible manner. Don't do anything crazy, please. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. And we love our friends over at BetOnline.ag. Um, yeah, please go to BetOnline.ag and get yourself a, a sweet account and uh, try to win some cash. And if you do, send it to us because we love money. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Who doesn't? All right. Dom took a uh, a step away. He, he should be back soon, but that's okay. Here he is. Um, yeah, so good to have Brad Marchand back in the fold. Um, with Brad Marchand back in the lineup, uh, a, a player needed to to go down, and it, there was a lot of confusion. And, and I'm kind of happy that Dom's here to help uh, kind of explain this, if he could. Um, but uh, you know, somebody. Somebody had to go down in the 23-man roster, and that was uh, defenseman Mike Riley. Um, and then 
so many folks really got in touch with me and it's like, well, he's not in Providence. Where is he? He's not in Boston. He's not here. He's not there. Most likely this was all massaging the salary cap with paper transactions, my friend. And I want to post up a, um, a, uh, an image right here of the, uh, the American hockey league transaction page for the Providence Bruins. And I just want to just point out how crazy some things can be in a single day. So look at this. Mike Riley was added, taken off, added, taken off in like a matter of a day and a half, you know? And so that it's just crazy because people thought that he got claimed on waivers. And um, my thought to that was he already went through the waiver process. And I believe, Dom, you said that he has 30 days or 10 games uh, to play. Yeah before he can go back onto the waiver wire again. So, right. um, so yeah. For, for example, if he played, if he played against Columbus and played against uh, Pittsburgh Tuesday, he would get his 10 games in and then would require waivers again. Um, the, the whole mix up. Yeah. I guess mix up is the, is the right word is let, let's not forget that Thursday, Jack Stadnika was, was still on the roster. Now the deal with Vancouver was done and that was supposed to get Boston down to the 23 man roster. For some reason, and I don't know if it was on the Boston end or the Vancouver end, it didn't get filed with the league on time. Um, and so they, they needed to do something quickly to get to, to under the 23 man roster to activate Brad Marchand and uh, Lauco was already down. They can't send Jeremy Swayman down who doesn't need waivers because who's your other goalie going to be. So Riley was the logical choice uh, because he didn't need waivers anymore. Uh, I mean, they could have done Felino too, but Felino was in the life. So that's what happened there. I mean, the, the, the Nika trade wasn't announced to what the second intermission of of, uh, of the game. So I don't know if mix up is the right word, but there was something there that that delayed the Studnika trade that they had to send Riley down to to get to the twenty three man roster. Yeah, and we might as well talk about that trade. Uh, great segue there, Dom. Um, on Thursday night against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, the Boston Bruins did, in fact, trade um, 2017 second-round draft pick. Jack gets Stanika to the Vancouver Canucks. And the pieces coming back were defenseman Jonathan Myrenberg and goaltender Michael DiPietro. And I know that you're very familiar with Michael DiPietro, played for the Spitz, won a uh, Memorial Cup, a really good goaltender yeah. in the Ontario Hockey League, and um, obviously a, a Vancouver uh, Canucks draft pick. Goaltender. I mean, first and foremost, the defense. Yeah, I could see that happening. Uh, in, in you know, in a trade, uh, Myrenberg is currently overseas playing in Europe, and um, and I guess he's playing well, and 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 could be a solid piece in the future for the Boston Bruins. Not an immediate piece, but when you think about the goaltending and the depth in the crease for this Boston Bruins organization, it's kind of bottlenecked now with the addition of Michael DiPietro and. There's a kind of a, a few theories about what's going on with this. And um, my thought is 
Michael DiPietro is a, a, a solid piece to work on. I'm sure that him and uh, him, Bob Asenza and Mike Dunham could could really do something together. But what does that do for your chemistry with uh, Keith and Cade, Kyle Kaiser, who's been playing really good? Talk about him later. Um, but there's another scenario out in the out in the world right now, and Mark Diver actually kind of hit on it a little bit, and I want to give him credit for that. But Michael DiPietro could be loaned somewhere else to play, and also still have the Bruins control him for a future move if another team is looking for that goaltending depth. I'd like to see Michael DiPietro stay in the organization, but it's so tough to run a three-headed goaltending monster in the A when you're only playing three games on a weekend. It doesn't give – you're practicing all week and only playing once. It just doesn't really give me the warm, fuzzy feeling that a prospect or a young goaltender or even a veteran is getting that adequate time in the crease. So what do you guys oh, – I, I, I have the answer for you, Mark. Okay. It's very simple. Um and first of all, I know both players very well because I watch a lot of, of Sweden hockey. But we'll start with Di Pietro. He will be loaned someplace else. Um, I, I know that the, the general discussion out, out there is that the Bruins are going to move on from Kyle Kaiser. No, they're not. Kyle Kaiser has had his issues um, mainly because of injury. And he's coming around. Like you said, we, we can talk about him later. Um, people soon forget, and I had this conversation with Bruins fans years ago. I said, Kyle Kaiser is going to start for Team USA at the World Junior Championship. No, it's going to be Jeremy Swayman is what, what I kept getting told. And I kept saying, no, it's going to be Kyle Kaiser. He is that good of a goalie. Um, unfortunately, got into game one and got a concussion and the rest is history. Um, so Kyle Kaiser comes with, with a resume. It is a very, very good resume. Michael DiPietro comes with a superb resume. One you don't find many goalies with, uh, uh, OHL all rookie team, uh, goaltender of the year, world junior championship gold medal. Uh, World Junior Championship top goaltender, CHL goaltender of the year. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, a lot can be said about Vancouver's mishandling of him. Uh, if you remember his first NHL game, he was called up as an emergency call-up from junior hockey to go play an NHL game. Got slaughtered absolutely got slaughtered now uh mike i call him mike because i talked to him personally i've always called him mike has had some moments in the american hockey league um uh where he's done very very well but he got ruined in the COVID year where vancouver ownership did not want to spend money on a veteran goaltender to carry on the taxi squad and brought him up to sit up in the stands and watch for a whole year without ever getting into a game in his most important developmental year in hockey. 
My question is, and it'll be more Mike Dunham that works with him than Bob Vicenza, but Bob will do some work with him. Um, that that have to catch him up. He's he's behind right now. Like him and Kyle Kaiser are the same age. Okay. If I remember correctly, they went head to head at the World Junior Championship. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure they did. So he's a year behind because he lost that whole year of development where I think he played one game, one game because Canucks ownership was too cheap to bring in a veteran goaltender like the Bruins did with, uh, with Grosnick to sit on the taxi squad, pay him an AHL salary on a two way. No, they kept him up there in his most important developmental year. So um, I had a chat with his agent yesterday and uh, they're still negotiating. Uh, but the plan, the plan is to keep him in Abbotsford, which is the Canucks AHL um, affiliate, but the Canucks have their own goaltender they want to work, work with. So um, they'll find him a home. Uh, let's not forget that the Bruins allowed Jordan Bennington to play in Providence for a season and then the next year won the Stanley Cup. So it's, it's not unheard of. It happens. Uh, you don't have to loan a player to your AHL affiliate. You can loan them anywhere where the NHL has an affiliation with. And the NHL has an affiliation with the American Hockey League. Yep. So... Um, you know, I, I'm not going to give up on Di Pietro. I, I think that he has, he has NHL goaltender in him. It may be as a, a backup role, but he has the ability to be an NHL goaltender. It's now up to the Bruins goaltending coaches to bring it out of him. So quick follow, quick follow up, Dom. Anywhere. Quick follow-up, Dom, because okay. uh, from the from the um, the tweet that I I read from Mark Diver, Diver seems to think that there's a possibility that this trade couldn't have happened without the Bruins taking on the DPH contract. Any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I didn't see the tweet, and I I haven't had discussions with anybody about anything like that. So okay. Um, I would just be speculating if I said anything. Right, right, right. I I honestly don't know. I'd rather not speculate. So no, I I, I get you. That's very fair. Kevin, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Um, so I think Dom hit everything perfectly there. I mean, who better to talk about that right there? But um, when it comes, I I have a follow up question for it for Dom. So. If they see DiPietro as a type of kid who could possibly be maybe in a backup role at, in the NHL one day, do you put where do you put him? Do you put him above guys like Kyle Kaiser? Do you put him above a guy like um, Bussy and Svedberg or um, Dick? No, I, I I can't, Kevin, because we we lost so much hockey with him uh, to me he's at the bottom of the list 
Okay. So obviously it goes to Allmark and Swayman, then Kincaid as your number three. Uh, then to me it's it's Kaiser, Fussy, Spedback, and then DiPietro. I have to see what Bob and Mike can do with him and where he's at, where his head's at, um, and and where he's going to play and, and how he plays before I would slot him anywhere up in the lineup. Let, let's remember that <clears throat> Allmark is only here for two more years, right? So Maybe. They, yeah, that's a, a me. But they need somebody that can fill that spot in two years. Yep. Uh, it's looking now that maybe, and when I say that spot, I'm not saying the number one. Swayman will obviously be the number one, and, and and somebody else will be there to carry part of the load. Right now, it's it's Kyle Kaiser. Um, so it's up to DiPietro to to prove his worth and and move himself up the list. And okay, that, okay, go ahead, Kevin. I was just had like a quick follow-up question to that. So let's say maybe may would you agree with this? Maybe they're trying to build him up, uh DiPietro, build him up to be have better stock to be able to maybe move him as a part of a package in the future that could be a type of player that could be a sweetener or anything like that. It, could that be the move? That that's possible, but um I, I'm not sure that that played into their thought process because it's going to take a long time to build them up. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, it, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a season or two to build him back up. Okay. And then, both, both in his own mind, his confidence, and and what every other NHL franchise sees in him. So. And that segues right into my 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 particular, um, you know synopsis here if, if that if i can use that big word um is if you look at brendan bussy he's only signed for uh one year kaiser only signed a, a one year two way so regardless of i mean it, it, kaiser's been playing so good and and you know he's he's his evaluation right now is just is, is really good and who knows if he's going to come back but this also might be an insurance policy as well if they cannot retain Kyle, then there's a there's a roster spot for a guy like uh, DPHRO, and I don't I don't seem to think that Kincaid will be around next season because of the uh, Providence Bruins and the Boston Bruins traditionally do not bring in veteran goaltenders uh, with multiple years. It's been a while since they've yeah. done that. Yeah, it's more or less just a you know a journeyman comes in here, a veteran guy, and does what he has to do. I mean, we've got. Uh, Troy Grosnick last year played great, had some good numbers before moving to Lehigh Valley, the Philadelphia Flyers minor pro affiliate. And now we have, uh, you know, Keith Kincaid, who's doing okay. I mean, one, one, and one, not bad, but still uh, just uh, just that veteran presence uh, in that locker room to a guy like Kyle Kaiser is, is invaluable in my opinion. So it, it really, it really, you really have to see the landscape moving forward to see if Bussy's going to stick around or if Kaiser's going to stick around to see where, Michael DiPietro can really fit into this Boston Bruins uh, goaltending depth. Well, to to go back to Kevin's question about their thought process, I think I think their thought process is this: uh, Kincaid won't be back next year. Uh, they may look for another veteran goaltender to bring in on the same situation. 
but both Kaiser and DiPietro require waivers as of next year. I think Bussy will be back. Uh, I'm not sure if if a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs wouldn't put in a claim for for Kyle Kaiser simply because um, what's his name? The GM there. Uh, oh God, I don't care about his name, but uh, if, he's, ah. if, he's, if he's still there, knows him knows him very well. So, um, you know, DPHO may be the insurance policy in case that happens to to Kyle Kaiser because um, I I don't think they're in a position to move Allmark next year in order to save. Kyle Kaiser from waivers, right? I, especially with the way Allmark is playing right now, I don't think the Bruins are in that position. So um, that may be the thought process. That, and at the very least, it at least creates internal competition, right? At the very least. Right. So I want to go off of real quick before we move on to another topic. I want to go off of something you said about. Um, you know, Allmark and Swayman eventually being the number one, this and that. I, I have a serious question to, pro, to pros here that I don't think a lot of people have really thought about yet. And that is if Allmark continues to do what he's doing at 29 years old and does it and does it again next year, maybe wins a Vesna, maybe wins a cup. Are we talking about maybe bringing him back? Back at that point, especially if Swayman hasn't proved that he's better than him, I mean, it's a valid oh, question. It's a valid a, question for a goaltender. He's young. He's he young is. for a goaltender. He's very young for a goaltender. Twenty-nine years old. Yeah, I mean, what, Tim 31? Thomas didn't start playing well until he was in his thirties. Right. Olmark is what thirty-one when his contract expires. Yeah, yeah, that's young for a goaltender. Yeah, I believe the Boston Bruins did did their due diligence when they're getting the the best free agent on the market last summer during the offseason. And and the contract is now paying dividends. It's it's a good deal. It's a good four-year deal at five million. And you know, the the it does have a lot of contract, you know, the the no movement, no trade, and blah blah blah. I get that 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 can be frustrating, but it's 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 really paying off right now. Where we sit today with what he's doing, which today, if, if Vesna voting started tomorrow and ended the day after he's in the top three, yeah, hands down. Oh yeah. With the way he's playing right now. It's yeah. unbelievable what he's doing right now. Um, the deal right now looks like a steal. Exactly. Right now where we sit today, the deal is an absolute steal. You know, 31 other freaking teams in this league would be foaming at the mouth for this opportunity to have two players like this and be under $6 million in goaltending. And Allmark chose to be here and took less. Yep. He could have gotten more elsewhere. He could have got more in Buffalo. Yeah. And and the relationship that he's formed with, uh, with Jeremy Swayman and Goldie Bob cannot be underestimated. Absolutely. He has settled in and he, you know, I, we all saw what he was doing in Buffalo with what he had in front of him. 
and how well and, and I always said to the when we got him a I was completely blown away didn't expect it I don't know if anyone expected Lee I knew Allmark it. to become a Boston Bruins not he not Allmark it. I knew that the Bruins were going to sign a, a veteran because of yeah what we was all going we all with, figured uh, Tuka Rask. yeah we all figured that but Allmark that was a curveball to me and I was pumped about it and what, you know, what had is, the, now here's a question for you guys what where would we be right now if when Tuka Rask attempted to make his comeback, he didn't shit the bed? Oh, yeah. that's a rabbit hole that I'm down to exactly. go down. Where, where would we be? Would that make would that make Swaven expend, expendable? I don't know. Swaven would have been traded, I think. You think? I really do. I think Swaven would have been traded at that point if if Tuka Rask came back and the surgery worked for him. You have a top five goaltender right there. Easy. Done. And Allmark, to that date, has more pedigree there than a Jeremy Swayman and is still young. And at the time, what did they really, really need? They needed a left-shot defenseman that could play in the top four regularly. Mm-hmm. They ended up getting him without having to trade Swayman, thankfully. Um, right. But another thing that they need moving forward – Top six center. Yeah. What better chip to use than Jeremy Swayman? Yeah, I'm not saying we wanted Jeremy traded or anything like that. But no, when, you think no, about, like, when you think about businesses and, and so on, this, this is, is business. Exact, this is the exact conversation that you're having at, at a, at a um, negotiation table with yep. another team. It's business. Yeah. It's business. And that's absolutely well, what it is. And obviously, none of this is relevant now. We're talking about if Tukarask would have right. pulled through. Right. But so, anybody who's listening out there, if you want to comment, it's at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Oh, <laughs> Dom, last season, I already was talking about this. I was already talking about using Jeremy Swayman as a trade ship. I know. If I, I came back. I remember. So, I don't I've already been down that road with people. And oh. you know what? Jeremy Swayman, I think, is going to be a very good goaltender in this league. Yeah. But you you got a lot of decisions to make if Almar continues to do what he does, especially if he wins a damn trophy, especially if they win a cup. I mean, and, and he's your prominent starter but in that situation. Are, those are the decisions you want to have to make as a general manager. You yeah. want mm-hmm. to have to make those seemingly impossible, difficult decisions. You, you wouldn't be doing your job. You exactly. You want to be in that position every year because you know what? That means you've got a damn good hockey team. Absolutely. Yep. And people will say it's too early to talk about this, which okay, you got a point. Yeah, it's too early, but you know, it's still a thought to throw out there because I love doing that. I love talking and making conversation, and that's what I'm always going to do. Yep. Hey, before we take our uh, last break of the uh, of the program here. Dom, I want to go back to you. Um, we didn't really touch on the defenseman coming back in the trade for Jack Sanika, and he's currently playing overseas, and that's Jonathan Myrenberg. What are your thoughts on 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 this uh, particular asset? Here's my thought, and and I think he was the target. I mean, even Don Sweeney said that PJ Axelson has been close in keeping tabs on it. So um, he's the exact type of, of player that I look for in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, a guy that has 
that is loaded with potential and is very, very raw. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to make it, um, but you've got to be intrigued by, by the potential. So um, here's a guy who, who can rush the puck. He, he, he's not a blazer. He's got decent top-end speed, but his, his first few strides need some work. Uh, but once he gets going, he's got decent top-end speed. He can uh, go end-to-end. Um, I sometimes question his decision-making when he gets to where he's going. Um, they're not always the right decisions, but um, you know what? He's a, he's a young defenseman, and every young defenseman goes through it. Uh and I hate to say this, but uh, and I'll probably be get mentioned that on on Twitter. Uh, he's not a very good backward skater. Um, you'll you'll find him rather than when he's defending his blue line that he'll go forward and attack as opposed to backwards and retreat. I just don't think he has the comfort in his backward skating. Um, but he's capable of keeping his, his gaps tight. He's got a good long reach. Uh, he's not afraid to play physical. As long as he's moving forward, all those things are good. That said, I mean, I've got video on him. I've got a friend who's, who's a skating coach. I said, watch, watch some video on this guy for me and let me know what you think. And, and I do that a lot with this skating coach. And she got back to me and said, you know, his technique and his mechanics are excellent. Uh, he just needs to work on, on using the technique and the mechanics. And that is, that's his problem. So he's in Sweden. He's, uh, you know, uh, playing in the lower leagues. They don't always have the best coaching there. Um, you know, when he, if and when he does get to North America, he'll get better coaching. They can work on him with with those things. Um, I mean, the Bruins hold his rights until 2025, June 1st, 2025. Uh, so there's some time there. Um, you know, I, I I love the potential. Like I said, it's very, very raw. And it doesn't mean he'll reach his potential, but those are exactly the type of guys I look for in those, in those later rounds. And you know, hopefully he makes it. But I do think that he was the Bruins' target and not Michael DiPietro. Um, and maybe that plays into the question that you asked earlier, Mark, that the Bruins had to take uh, take on DiPietro's contract. So yeah. maybe Mark Dipper knows something that I hadn't heard. So Yeah, more or less he was speculating too on Twitter. Maybe... This is something that they could do, but I just, again, I wanted to bring it, uh, bring it to the panel and ask anyway. One other player that we should talk about real quickly, at least, you know, because he is out the door is Jack Stanika and all of this. Um, you know, we did touch on him a little bit, but I, I have a question for you guys. Um, and I just want to know if I'm wrong in my thinking when it comes to this. And that is, I see a lot of people calling this player, Jack Stanika, a bust. I feel like that's a, one of those words that gets thrown out there and used just so carelessly. Because when I think of a bust, I think of a can't-miss player who turns into 
a player that didn't do anything or reach his potential. And in my opinion, Jack Stanika is not one of those players. He was a hit or miss type of player. I mean, most players after, if we're being generous in the first round are categorized as those hit or miss type of players in most years, I'm going to put that out there. So are people wrong in classifying a guy like Jack Studnika as a bust and another huge fault on Sweeney for a guy taken in the second round? That's more of a hit or miss type of player. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank the you. Word, Jesus. The word bust in elite gets used way, way too much in hockey circles. Yeah. I, I think if you're outside a top 15 pick and you don't make the NHL, uh, you can't be labeled a bust. If, if, Thank you. If you're an Alexander Day, I was just about to say that. <laughs> you know, um, there's a difference between Alexander Day back in the in the in the '90s, 2000s, yeah. to Jack Sitnik, a second round pick in 2017. Exactly. <laughs> I, I I think when it comes to Bruins fans, they are so spoiled to have gotten David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron where they did, and they expect everybody to be the same. And it just exactly. does it, it. It just doesn't happen. And then on the flip yeah. side, they think it's 2015, and the Bruins can't draft. <laughs> right. Absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. It, it 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 can happen. You can get players like that in the second round, but they are a hit or miss. They are a gem, a diamond in the rough, whatever right. you want to call it. Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Doesn't matter what round. Like Dom said, and that's why I said, if I'm being generous outside of the first round, but yeah, like Dom said, it's really like top 10, top 15. I mean, it's this isn't the NFL where you go out and you pick a, um, a, a linebacker in the third round and he's projected and should be in the lineup in a year and be impactful. It's, it's not like that in the NHL. It's completely different. And to classify everybody – and a lot of the talk of Jack Stanika, yeah, they said he could either not be anything, but he also has a skill set where, you know, he could possibly be maybe a top six guy in this league. You know, that's just identifying certain skills of a player and saying this is what he maybe could do. But there's Bruins fans out there who were saying he was going to be the second coming of Bergeron. And I'm yeah. like, in, like in, in all fairness, Kevin, like in, in all fairness, if you watch Jack Stanika in junior and you watch Jack Stanika in the in the American Hockey League, uh, there was a resemblance to Patrice Bergeron. There was in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, it did not translate to, to the NHL. So um, it's not, not, I mean, Shane Wright, um, the Shane Wright gets most compared to Patrice Bergeron than any other any other player that I have known. Um, and Shane Wright was a healthy scratch when his grandparents were there to watch him play three games this week. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I now if Shane Wright doesn't make it, he's a bust. Big not time. Jack, not Jack Stanika. Right. No. Um, just, just because what both did at a junior level compared to what Patrice Bergeron does, um, 
doesn't mean if they don't make it, they're a bust. Yeah. The, the Sweeney drafting thing has just gone way out of hand at this yeah. point. It's, it's, it's it, it, I mean, this team is in contention almost every year, except for the first, well, even the first two years that Don Sweeney took over, they missed the playoffs by a single game at the end of the season yep. in the middle of a retool. So, you know, Wasn't obviously. Was a tiebreaker? Yes. Yes. And, you know, and it's so funny because it's almost like they expect him to be getting superstars or – and I'm not saying everybody. You know, there's just a certain portion of fans out there who expect Don Sweeney to be getting guys like Nikita Kucherov and Kale McCarr and all these guys like that, like it's easy. But okay, when you're so not picking in the top 15, or top when five. you're not – or top five, when you're not picking in these areas because your team is so damn good that they're in contention nine times out of ten when it comes to the years, you're not having the opportunities to get those type of players. That's the reason why the league works how it works. The worse the, the worse you are, the better of a chance you have to get better because that's going to bring in money from other you know, markets. They want it to be, I, I, I guess you could say, fair. In a sense, if you do bad, you have a better chance of building your team. If you do really good, you have a worse chance of doing that. But, hey, you're making a lot of money and you're winning cups okay, or playoff so rounds or whatever it may let, be. Let me ask you this. Is this a sign of su- successful drafting? If Jeremy Swayman is the, the best player to come out of the third round in his draft class, if Oscar Gelvik is the best player to come out of the sixth round out of his draft class, if Don Lackmollis is the best player to come out of the fifth round in his draft class, if Riley Duran is the best player to come out of uh, fifth round in his draft class, is that not success? No, that's pretty successful to me. Sounds yeah. like success to me. Yeah, just because they don't become super well, I shouldn't say that in Swayman's case, but just because they don't become superstars, yet turn out to be the best out of their draft class in their particular round, isn't a failure. Yeah, no. They absolutely yeah. get no credit. Yeah, yeah. Don Sweeney has got guys like Jake DeBrusque. Brandon Carlo. Now Lauco is proving to be a valuable piece on this team. Um, you know, McAvoy. I mean, there you go. I mean, he was taken, what, 14th overall? Yeah. Pass There's it. your top 15. There you go. You And he got a guy that works very well. You can go back to 2015 all you want, but Jake DeBrusque is starting to look like, like, I mean, where we stand today, I mean, it's like Jake DeBrusque is looking today, like I- I take him over Matthew Barzell. I, I was just about to say it, Dom, you dick. But yes, over Matt Barzell, I'm taking him over Matt Barzell. I understand yeah. he's a center. I understand that, but the the flair this kid has, the the Especially confidence, when you compare the compare contrast. Oh yeah, that that's enough for me. Absolutely. All right, and what it should not be enough for anybody is getting back on track during your daily regimen. And that is with the amazing folks over at Can I Wellness. 
Can I Wellness offers you four distinct experiences for all the different challenges you may face throughout the day. Can I sleep? Can I mend? Can I fresh? And can I boost? It's the trusted brand for sports, fitness, and wellness households. With over 50 vitamins, nutrients, and herbal extracts and four compact sprays, it's the most convenient way to get back on track with no pills, water, or messy powders. 90% of nutrients in these oral sprays are absorbed in less than 30 seconds. It's like an entire health food store in your pocket and is endorsed by Olympians, NHL players, and pro sports stars who rely on the Canine Wellness Company to support high performance. Let's talk about each product, shall we? Can I Boost allows you to skip the coffee and sugary snacks and energize a healthy way. Use daily before your workout, when studying for an exam, and other times you need increased clarity, stamina, and concentration. Can I Mend provides the after-party liver support and works fast to re, to re, um, <laughs> to revive hangovers in the morning after drinking. I should know that. Had I tied on a good one last night. Uh, this unique oral spray supplement is blended with 11 vegan vitamins and herbal extracts to replenish your body to combat headaches, sickness, and lack of energy. Can I Fresh reduces stress and gives your body an immune system boost. Whether you're nervous before a presentation or need to calm down after a hectic day, the 11th, the 11 natural and vegan ingredients in Can I Fresh take the edge off without making you tired or unmotivated. And finally, Can I Sleep is the all-natural vegan sleep aid is convenient for fast absorbing. No mixing beverages, waiting for gummies to kick in. Just spray, roll over, and snooze. Control your dosage on how much sleep you need. If anybody, if any of our Black and Gold Hockey podcast listeners want to try these amazing Can I Wellness All Natural Oral Sprays, please go to CanIWellness.com and use our promo code BNG25. That's BNG25 to get 25% off everything on the can i wellness website we thank we thank can i wellness for supporting this podcast and our weekly boston bruins hockey talk so all right on the final stretch thanks sir on the final stretch here of this uh episode 303 um really quick i want to do want to talk about jeremy swayman got back into action last week and um played really well and 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 the last game he played in was against the Ottawa Senators the week prior. It was not a very good game, in my opinion. I am not going to be the cuddly, huggy type of uh, uh, person, Bruins fan here, to to say that he didn't have his faults in, in that game. But the total game cannot be blamed on him. It was a it was a group effort throughout in that loss, but he particularly didn't look very good. Um, and Linus Allmark took the took the uh, the reins and ran with it and has played uh, very good thus far. But thoughts on that game um, against the Detroit Red Wings when he played just a, one of the best games I've seen him play in a long time. And um, what does that do for his confidence? And what does that do for the, the outcome on the schedule when Jim Montgomery and staff need to f- figure out starts? I want to say to start, this was a fantastic, fantastic coaching decision by the coaching staff to put Jeremy Swayman in against Detroit because a lot, I think a lot of other coaches and a lot of other people would have went back to Allmark in Detroit and probably played Swayman in Columbus. And I think it was extremely smart because Jeremy Swayman has always played really well at home. So it was a really good opportunity for him to get in there and have a good redemption game. And boy, did he. 
he came out and he looked he looks he looked really good his rebound control was on um his his lateral movements were good uh, it was it was a statement game for him like hey Bruins fans I'm still here don't forget about me I want to go back to that Ottawa game and I know the three of us why well, I told you the two of you outside of the show here what I thought and uh, I think they should have pulled him out to the first period. I mean, I could see just by his body language and the way he was reacting, he didn't have it that night. Yeah. So I, I think by leaving him in for, even after the team battled back from three goals down, to leave him in there for another period really played on his, in, on his confidence. But I'm also going to agree with everything that Kevin said about smart coaching decision to put him back in against Detroit and I think Andrew Raycroft said it best that that um, you know he absolutely needed that game he needed to come out and have the game that he had um, because uh, if he didn't um, I, I forget his Razor's exact words but he said something to the effect that if if um, Allmark posted a shutout against Columbus. He was getting the start against Pittsburgh automatically, right? So, I mean, you don't want to go a week in between games for Jeremy Swayman to try and get built himself back up. I don't know now what they do Tuesday, but like I said, I think Kevin was right to throw the brilliant move to throw him back in there against Detroit. Uh, but I'm curious to see how they play play the two out this week. I think you've got to go to to Allmark for Tuesday, don't you? One hundred percent. Yeah, I I believe so, and I, I I have to agree with what Kevin was saying earlier about how smart it was to do because you gave Jeremy Swayman the the start against the Red Wings, but that also gave Linus Allmark two days of rest with that start to be ready for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and now. If you look at the schedule, now there's there's three days of rest in between starts between uh, the Columbus game and the uh, the Pittsburgh game next week on on Tuesday the first. So that's even more rest for somebody else. Yeah, Allmark should get that game as well, but you could also give it to Swayman uh, to kind of yeah. get back on track to kind of give the every other game scenario again to try to get Jeremy more involved and more of that 1A, 1B type of uh, rotation going. But you have to go with Swayman on Thursday. Otherwise, you're more than a week between games. Yeah. yeah. I think I think that's a good game for him to get into, too, because it's a better it's a better test than Detroit. It's the next step up. Well, I, no, I wouldn't say the next step up. I think the Rangers are a much better team than the Detroit yeah. Red Wings, obviously. But And it's also a way. You want to build his confidence at home. You also need to build his confidence away. I understand you could do the same thing in the Penguins game, but you really want to give that to the guy who's really been, because we'll get to this when I give my three stars of the month later. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it on Twitter already, but I'm doing it here too. Um, Linus Elmark has really paved a beautiful path for this team to win. And I think you have to go to him against a, a strong team like the Pittsburgh Penguins um, because they are a strong team. So Okay, so... Do you see it as a good thing for Swayman to face Shesterkin if that's who the Rangers ultimately start? 
that's for this sure. Is a, this is a, this is a, a tough week. I mean, when you look at, I mean, they have the Penguins, the Rangers, and the Leafs. You have to put Swayman in there at least for one of them. And if you I had to. to choose one, it's the Rangers. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you because uh, hockey night in Canada, national game, the, the media all over the place. I think I want Linus in that Saturday against Toronto as, as opposed to adding all that extra pressure to, to Jeremy Swayman. Yeah, it's starting to feel like this season is Swayman's Tuka Rask year in 2010-2011. Okay. That's what it's starting to feel a little bit like to me, where one one guy is going to run away with it a little bit, but Swayman's going to have his role. He's going to be able to, and that's just how it feels right now. It could obviously change at any moment. Right. But right now that's how it feels to me. And that's not to say that Swayman's going to be bad or a bust or anything like that, because obviously Tuka Rask wasn't. It's just that one player is ready and the other one still has a little bit left to harness and get under control to get to that same level. That's, that's just how it feels to me. We but agree that, we're going we're going all mark Swayman all mark for the three starts. I, I'm yes. in agreement with that. Yeah. And and you know and I might even go back to Swayman on November seventh against the Blues. Yeah. That one's at home, is it not? No. Uh, it yeah, is. that is that it is, is at home. home. Yeah, once the once the three road games this this coming week uh, against Pittsburgh, the Rangers, and Toronto are over. They are home against St. Louis on Monday the seventh, and back on the and back at home on Thursday against Calgary. So and out of those two teams, I want Allmark starting against the Flames, and I don't know if I want to go back to back. Well, it's, it's not back to back nights; it's three days rest. So right. maybe you could go, maybe you could go Allmark Blues. All mark flames and then get Swayman in there against the Sabres. But then again, why would you want to deny all mark of being able to absolutely slap around the Sabres? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, a lot could change between now and then. So. Yeah. Yeah. But just the week ahead, I think we're all in agreement on who should start where. And we'll see if we're right about that. I think we will be. We'll see. We're, again, we're, Bruins, we're not. Unless the Bruins trade all mark for Cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love it Tom's throwing well we gotta digger. shed salary and we listen yeah, to no. everyone on twitter so you know yeah. see ya <laughs> um we're, we're coming to the end of this program i got about another 10 12 minutes left i, I do want to touch on one thing um because we don't know what's going to happen between now this recording and the next time we talk next weekend so if there's a possibility that Charlie McAvoy actually gets into the lineup anytime soon, who's the odd man out? I really want to touch on this because um, for me, and I hate to go first all the time, it's, it's Zaboral. Um, what, what I've seen from Zaboral in the beginning of training camp was, was really good and inspiring. But as the regular season continues, I, I just not see him when he's getting his opportunities. And I'm not sure if he's having setbacks or anything like that. I have no information on that at all, but I'm just saying that it just seems like the way he's playing right now and the way Clifton and Forbert are really pushing forward uh, that Clifton could be that extra guy that they want to hang on to and possibly Zaboral could be the odd man out with a return. So, I agree. I think um, 
that's the way it's going to play out. And if there's injuries or you need to give somebody a break, Zabarro will be the first guy in on the left, and Strawman will be the first guy in on the right. Yeah, total agreeance there, Mark. I think you hit the nail on the head. Zabarro has been the guy because you can't take the time. Clifton has ran ran away with it at this point. Where we stand right now today. He's ran away with it. You can't take him out of the lineup. You can't separate Fulbright and Clifton. You got to leave that. And I, I no, but if anyone falters, if anyone falters, and if if you're looking at that list of six, uh, Clifton's going to be the one to me that falters because history says so. Of course, absolutely, I agree one hundred percent. And at that point, you can put in either Strawman or Zaboral. Take your choice. But which one do you, Kevin? Strawman to start to start off with. Yeah, I go to Zaboral just to see if he can do it. If he can't, yeah, you go to Strawman. That's just my opinion. Yeah, have a little more faith you in your internal. The whole left right shot. I do, but I don't because Zaboral has already proven that he can play the right side. I don't at this point at the NHL level, I'm not sure if it's as effective as him on the left. I will say that. So maybe that does alter me a little bit and has me put in Strawman first. But I kind of want to see if Zaboral can work through his early struggles. Okay. But not to the detriment of the team. So correct my memory fails me. When Zaboral was playing the right, was he playing it with Derek Forbert, or was he playing it with Hampus Lindholm? It was with Forbert. Was he? I think so, because Forbert Forbert could have played the right side, but he never got the opportunity to. That's why Zaboro went down on that off offside. Old age, guys. My memory isn't what it used to be, so I had to ask. I hear you. No worries. It's all good. Uh, let's uh, do some predictions. Um, we haven't done this. We, I wish we really got to this. I, I forget a lot of the things, more or less. I'm running on 11th hour time every every time we do these recordings. So uh, we should start doing weekly pred- predictions because I've gotten people reached out and, and they said that they're very interested in hearing what our thoughts on the upcoming week. So what we'll do from now on is we'll, we'll pick games from uh, Sunday to Sunday and in between talk about them. So the yep. uh, trial the- run here. Yeah, the Boston Bruins play on the road for the next three games. We talked about the Pittsburgh game on Tuesday the 1st, the Rangers game on Thursday the 3rd, and obviously Saturday in Toronto on the 5th. So I'm, uh, again, going first. I'm going to say 2-1 and on the week. Okay. The loss for me will be the Rangers game. Okay. I don't know. I think the Rangers are a sneakily good team, even though their their record's not really proving it. But you can't, you can't. Uh, that's just Dirk and Gar- goaltender. He's just you never know what you're going to get out of him. Dom, you want to go next? Yeah, I I, I agree. I to, to me, Thursday is a scheduled loss to the Rangers. Um, I think they will beat Pittsburgh, and it's going to take overtime. And I think they will beat Toronto in Toronto. And that might be the nail in the coffin for somebody in Toronto. Kyle Dubas? Uh, somebody. 
Sheldon Keith. Somebody. I know. I'm sorry. Brendan Shanahan uh, will not want any more losses to the Bruins. Yeah. That's my bold prediction. Nice. I love the Dom bold prediction. Go ahead, Kevin. What do you got? All right. You ready, boys? They're going 3-0. and Oh, snap. Tie and up, Humber. And I'm going to tell you why. That Rangers game, I would say 2-1, and one, but Charlie McAvoy is going to be suiting up for that Bruins versus Rangers game next week, and that is going to add an absolute spark fire, and they are going to go ahead oh and beat God. the New York Rangers on that Thursday as well. And that's Three and where oh. I am staying. Kevin's got the wagon entitlement going on with this Boston Bruins team for the upcoming week. That was a lot of fun. These predictions, hopefully the fans liked it. Uh, we'll try to get, we'll try to get a little more in depth next time uh, when the Bruins play at home for two games against St. Louis and Calgary, and then Buffalo on the twelfth. And, and real quick, uh, real quickly before Kevin, yeah. I was yes, only kidding when I said Jim Montgomery was a liar and Charlie McAvoy will be back next week. <laughs> well, this is what I'm thinking. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, this is where I'm at. I think Charlie McAvoy is going to be in the lineup you, against the Rangers. You got balls to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, but does. you know what? But you know what, though? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It is what it is. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just having hey. fun here. <laughs> you know what I We've, mean? I'm just having some fun. But, you know, regardless, I do think they have a chance of going three and zero here. But before I forget, I do want to go ahead and give out my because um, it's something I'm doing every month now. My three stars of the month, and my first star goes to Linus Almark. My second star goes to David Pasternak, and my third star goes to Hampus Lindholm. And my reasoning behind that is because Almark led the goaltending, Pasternak led the offense, and Hampus Lindholm led the defense. And that is where I'm going for my three stars for this month. And I think they all deserve it. You could go ahead and make a case for a lot of people to be honorable mentions. Uh, But for me, Jake DeBrusque is mine. And that's because I didn't expect him to just become a completely different player. The player that we really needed to see. I expect guys like Taylor Hall to do what he's doing. I I mean, that's not to say that he's not, you know, important, which he is, you know, Nick Foligno has stepped it up. Uh, You know, David Krejci has came back and played very well after a year off. Patrice Bergeron is continuing to be a fantastic player. Charlie Coyle, you can name a ton of them, but those are my three stars. Absolutely. That's very well done. I I have to agree with that. And on an event mentioned to uh, Nick Foligno as well, really turning that bottom six around, becoming a real leader down there. So good things to see. Um, all right. What do you guys I think? I have to give first start to Brad Marchand. Yeah. <laughs> one game, one game back. Leads the team points per game and didn't get suspended for coming back too soon. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Hey, why don't we wrap up by uh, announcing the winner of our Patreon um, hand signed jersey giveaway and some other extra items that we bought over the summer. So if you want to, um, well, if you want to participate in the monthly giveaways, please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just $1 as seen here on these details. Um, 
and you'll get involved into the Jersey giveaways. Um, we won't be giving away this particular prize pack every month because we definitely can't afford it. This was a, this is a, a lot of money, but it was, it was well worth it because we love our financial supporters. So the winner of the Ray Bork hand signed Jersey, the hand signed mini helmet, the hand signed puck and the hand signed eight by 10 um, Jersey uh, a photo from the absolute Bruins legend goes to Mr. Hollis Jackson. Hollis, thank you so much for um, you know, being a Patreon supporter for a long time. We really appreciate your support. And uh, hopefully you really like these items. And I'll be shipping them out to you as soon as possible. Hollis is a, uh, a listener from the Alabama area of the United States. We do have a lot of listeners from down south. Oh, I, got, I, I get in contact with a, with a group that listens to us, like a, a neighborhood group that they – hang around and listen to us talk Boston Bruins hockey down in Texas. So shout out to those guys down in Texas. Yeah. They, it's amazing. uh, The outreach that we have um, a lot of the times when I go on to our podcast network and see where people are listening from, it's actually really cool. Um, Worldwide. We are worldwide Bruins hockey talk and we love doing it. So congratulations to Hollis and obviously get back. If you guys want to get involved, I will be posting a video about the next jersey we give away in november and we'll be doing this from uh the future months so it's just a dollar it's uh like a four to six dollar investment that's a, about as much as you're going to be charged each month uh to to get some really cool hand signed stuff from boston sports music from bruce sullivan our good friend over there so that is episode 303 dom a huge thank you for coming in on the fly. I know that you've had some issues with the with the uh, the, the home situation and so on, but um, cannot thank you enough for joining us for the second straight week. It's so good to have you back. We won't talk about consistency, but you're always welcome to come back next week if you want to do it on the fly again. You please let us know. But um, hopefully, all is well. Absolutely. I'll definitely be talking to you guys through the week. We'll see how it goes, how I feel. Um, uh, every day getting better, so that's all I, I, I can say. Absolutely Fantastic. love to hear it, my friend. Kevin O'Keefe, as always, a great pleasure to talk to you as well. And uh, we'll definitely be doing the uh, the uh, online chat with, with everybody here. So um, everybody just please have a great week. Uh, be safe. Lots of good Boston Bruins hockey going on. Absorb this, folks. This is a positive. And, um, yes. you know, moving forward, it's just it's just really good things from this Boston Bruins organization. So make everybody happy, and that's what we want to do. We just want to be happy, and don't be so grouchy about good things that happen all the time. So sick of negative people. And me, me and saying I, that. And I can and, and I cannot wait to be completely wrong about my predictions for this upcoming week. Yeah, I know. But but you'd be a freaking genius if you called the oh, McAvoy, yeah. the McAvoy for the uh, on the Rangers game. So you know I, had, I had to be huh? Just to get McAvoy back Thursday. I'm willing to let them go lose all three games just so you can have the the McAvoy one back on Thursday. I just, I just had to, I just had to be the one to give the hottest take. That's yeah, all. And there absolutely. it is. <laughs> hey, you're putting the neck out in the line, man. Not me. <laughs> oh, chop it off. Go right ahead. <laughs> all right. With, 
with that being said, thank you very much, folks, for the financial contributions from our Patreon members, the shares, the likes, the retweets, the downloads, the interaction. We have a Discord. We have merch. Check it all out in the show notes, please. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. That is getting closer, closer to a thousand, and um, and we just love the support and we love the the Bruins content that we're we're doing and and you guys are absolutely amazing. So with that being said, I'm host Mark Allred. That is Dom Tiano, and that is Mr. Kevin O'Keefe. And we will talk to you next weekend, and hopefully we'll be talking about a eleven and one season. Who knows? Twelve. Uh, eleven and two. That's my Amesbury math, Dom. Stop making fun of me. Uh, and 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 we didn't get a chance to talk about the Providence Bruins. So maybe oh, next shit. weekend. We yes. Can, unless you want to touch on them now. And I, I mean, I, I can let you segue into it by going, Yogi Mercula. <laughs> all right. All right. So you talked me into it. Real quick, the Providence Bruins currently sit in the second position of the uh, Atlantic Division in the American Hockey League with a 5-1-1 record after seven games, currently on a two-game winning streak, and in their past 10 games, 5-1-1, blah, blah, blah. Um, What else? Fabian Lysel had two games off due to an injury, upper body, and he got back into action on Friday night and uh, also played last night as well. There's a game this afternoon. Uh, but um, some players that are really, really going really good is as Lysel. Vinny Letary has been a really good complimentary veteran player. Luke Toporowski, I am fully on board the Toporowski train. This kid is probably most likely going to get a two-way deal sooner or later. This is exactly what you want from your minor pro system. Get a kid from the, uh, from the CHL, get him in here on an AHL-only contract, and have him prove to the organization that's going to constantly looking for, you know, uh, depth and, and, and contracted depth uh, to look at this kid in the future. He, he is unbelievable. He's got seven points in his last seven games. It's just unreal. I'm sorry. Six points in his last seven games. I was looking at the PIMS. Uh, Georgie Mikulov is playing really good. He's the goal leader down there. Um, and uh, Kyle Kaiser in net is is absolutely perfect at 3-0-0. He's got a 1.67 goals against average and a .934 save percentage, I believe. So he's on fire down there. The team's – it's looking good. It's starting to get some uh, some traction, and, um, and I, I like what I'm seeing. So there's a game this afternoon against the Springfield Thunderbirds at the Amica Mutual Pavilion in downtown Providence, Rhode Island. So, um, and I will be having a Providence hockey report this week. Things have been absolutely crazy the past couple of weeks on uh, trying to get this podcast out. And um, I will do my best to get it out this week. So uh, stay tuned for that. And please follow on the, uh, on Twitter at AHL, at, at AHL Bruins report. And uh, also on uh, Apple podcasts and Spotify. So that was just a quick uh, Providence wrap up. I'll try to get some more Providence hockey talk next week, but we had just so much to talk about this week and, and having Dom on as well um, was uh, just a, a benefiting factor of, you know, another knowledgeable person on this program just to extend the, uh, the two hours that we have, but we are over two hours and I'm going to stop talking. So with that being said, Mark all right, Kevin O'Keefe, Mr. Dom Tiano, we will talk to you guys next week, and hopefully, the uh, this this unbelievable Bruins freight train just keeps rolling through the league, particularly 
the Pittsburgh Penguins, the New York Rangers, and the Toronto Maple Leafs this week. So with that being said, peace the F out. Peace out. Peace out. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.